Thank you, Maria and Virginia, for this invitation to speak about Our Lady's virginity and uh, as a reflection of God's purity. Uh, right, just to let you know that by God willing, actually, I should be publish. I should be should be able to publish a book now, also in English, about. This beautiful mystery, Our Lady's Virginity, as the very form of Christian holiness. It is a book that I published in, in Italian in 2019, but it is now ready to be also published in English. And also I have, by the end of my talk, I would like to introduce you to a chaplet of Our Lady's Perpetual Virginity that I composed as a synthesis, prayerful synthesis of this book on Our Lady's Virginity, which has just been approved by the Bishop of Dunkeld, where I reside at the moment in Scotland. He gave me his approbation, so and he was very happy with this prayer and with the synthesis of the book, and he wished that it could be spread and could be known. So, if you don't mind, by the end of my talk, I will show you this uh, chaplet. And uh, why not to possibly pray it, if you consider this something opportune, something good. Right, uh, now I will be speaking about the mystery of Our Lady's virginity as uh, the manifestation in time, in this creation, in the order of salvation of God's purity, trying to find that bond of unity between uh, Our Lady's virginity and God's purity. But I think to find that clear uh, link between the two, we should first of all understand why, uh, why is it possible to speak of God's purity and in what sense we mean uh, purity when we speak uh, of God. And this gives us the capacity to also see that purity as reflected by Our Lady's virginity. So uh, when we speak of God and we refer to his purity, we uh, make reference to his being, because as you know, God is pure spirit. He is no uh, composition of um, spirit and matter as we are. So God is pure spirit. In him there is no, no matter, no, uh, no flesh. Why do we then speak of purity if there is no, no, no body, there is no flesh, no composition? Right. In God, there is that pure being. When we say God is pure spirit, we mean spirit in, in terms of being. And uh, the most perfect thing in God is his being. He is pure being, pure act. Uh, this is the definition of God, a philosophical, metaphysical definition of God, pointing to his being the supreme being. So the one who is. I am who I am. This is God's revelation to Moses, his, the revelation of his name, the name which points to his nature, the one who is and cannot but be. So the most important, the highest <clears throat> perfection in God is the fact that he is. Right. So to be is for God his manifestation of his perfection. And uh, uh, that purity uh, refers when applied to God. Um, exclusively to his perfection as pure being, 
right? So purity in God refers to his existence, to the fact of his being the one who is and is the only one, basically, the only one necessary. No one is necessary except God. He is the supreme being. We are because God is, and we, are, we participate in the gift of being, of being uh, existing, of existence, human existence. So purity in God is to be understood first as a metaphysical attribute, right? More than or other than uh, <clears throat> a quality of his life. There is not a virtue in God which can be understood as purity, but that purity is existential, right? That purity uh, is God's uh, perfection, right? His being and his necessity of being, okay? Now, that purity, and this is the highest purity, basically, uh, far above the possibility of our purity to keep that beautiful virtue. His purity is the fact that there is no composition, basically, the fact that he is spirit, and the spirit is the fact that he is. I hope this is clear. We can always come back to this eventually in, uh, in the moment of Q&A afterwards. Uh, but this purity is so perfect, as you understand, to uh, become the uh, possibility for other beings to, to be called into existence. The purity of God is so perfect, so necessary, that it is the very condition for other uh, creatures, for uh, creatures to come into existence. Only God is. Everyone else who is can be only if called by God to be. So the purity of God, the purity of his spirit, is the condition for us to be what we are. The purity of God is his, his being, and uh, that purity, <clears throat> that supreme perfection, which is the highest, as I said, supreme perfection in God, should in some way be visible in our world, in our creation. We should have a way, a means, to reach this out and to have an idea of God's uh, perfection. And of course, the way to reach this out is ref by reflecting on creatures, on the existence of things, and by uh, reflecting on things, we uh, go to the very first cause of everything. This is the way to know God's existence. By reflecting on creatures, we discover that there must be a cause which is the supreme perfection and is the very uh, cause of everything without uh, being called into existence itself. So, uh, a posteriori, by reflecting on creation, on this world, we go back to God by way of being, right? By reflecting on the existence. And this is the natural way to find out God's existence. Natural understanding. But there is also a supernatural understanding 
of God's purity. Uh, there must be a supernatural icon in this world of God's infinite perfection, of God's infinite purity. Uh, now, let's pass from the natural level to a supernatural level. We made reference to God as known as being. But God is also has revealed himself as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right, in the Bible. Starting with the Old Testament, there are some, uh, some images, some prefigurations, up to the New Testament, where we find the fullness of this revelation, the, the final revelation of God's mystery, who is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That beautiful mystery of the Holy Trinity is revealed initially at the moment of the Annunciation. It is God speaking through the angel to this beautiful woman. And God is speaking as Father, sending forth his Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. The triune God is talking with this creature, this woman. So we already grasp some connection here between Our Lady and God, the triune uh, one God. God has revealed his uh, mystery, his trinity, right? And uh, he has uh, revealed his face. So there must be also the possibility to understand uh, God's purity in himself in a supernatural manner. And therefore there must be also a reflection in this world, in time, in our time, of God's uh, purity as supernatural, right? God's purity, supernatural purity, so to say, is what? Is the fact that uh, God is the supreme perfection, we said, and the supreme perfection lies in the fact that he is, and that, uh, that uh, natural uh, <clears throat> metaphysical perfection is then uh, made manifest in the fact that uh, in that purity, in the purity of God, there is a communion of life. God is so perfect, so his being is so perfect to be not something isolated, but to be in himself, a communion of love. There are three persons sharing in the same one being, in the same one nature. The purity of God is fertility, so to say, to have an idea, having an analogy with a world. Purity is always fertility. Purity, virginity, is always capacity to generate in a supernatural way, to be open to God's will. So, in God's mystery, purity as supernatural is the generation of the Son by the Father and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Father and the Son. These are the two processions within God, within the mystery of the Holy Trinity. That purity is then visible, put into action in God by uh, these uh, supernatural processions. And first, and above all, in the generation of the Son, the purity of God is visible in some way, uh, supernaturally, 
in the generation of Christ. Why? Well, uh, Christ, the Son, is the Logos, right? He is generated by the Father. And exclusively by the Father. There is no mother to generate the Son in eternity. There is only the Father. And the Son is the icon of the Father, is the knowledge of the Father, is the expression of the intelligence of the Father, is the Logos, the truth, right? And he, is, he proceeds from the Father, he proceeds from God, the Father, without any, any, any other person, without the need of any other person. So that generation is in some way pure, see, is, is the expression of the Father without any concourse of any other person. This generation of the Son in God, in the purity of God, should have, say should have, a reflection in time. To understand God's purity in a supernatural way. We understood, hopefully, God's purity in a natural way by looking at creatures and finding the Creator, right? But now, we should also be able to look at uh, supernatural fecundity, purity of God from this side of heaven, if you want, from this world, to be able to discover some, an icon of that supernatural purity in God as generative, as the procession of the Son from the Father, first. What's the icon in this world of that generation? Well, there is only one possibility. You cannot be mistaken. There's only one way, Our Lady, in generating the Son. Uh, she is, in this world, the face, so to speak, of the Father in heaven, generating the Son without a mother. She generates the Son without a father, because her generation is virginal. She doesn't need any contribution of a man. I know not man. You remember the Annunciation? She doesn't need, and she doesn't want to need a cooperation of a man she has taken a vow of virginity before getting married with St. Joseph and with the, the consent of St. Joseph. St. Joseph himself took uh, with Our Lady a vow of virginity because otherwise the marriage which was celebrated beforehand, before the Annunciation, was not valid. Right? So Our Lady knew not man because she is the expression, she is the visibility of the Father's generation of the Son in time, in this time, in our time. As the generation of the Father in heaven is virginal, pure, as we said, try to say, so it is with the generation of the Son in time, who is the Word incarnate, right? The Son became man, became flesh in the womb of Our Lady. And that incarnation, that conception, incarnation, is virginal. Our Lady is virgin because she was 
made able by the Holy Spirit to conceive without a human cooperation. The Holy Spirit will come upon thee, the Holy Spirit will overshadow thee. This is the, the Annunciation, the message of the angel to our lady. The, the Holy Spirit is your bride, is your, sorry, is your bridegroom. The Holy Spirit will come and will embrace you in his love and you will be able to conceive supernaturally, virginally, a son. To become a mother without losing your virginity and to be virgin and mother. So Mary's virginity in time, in this time, during the Incarnation, is indeed the manifestation of the Father's generation of the Son. St. Augustine already uh, said that <clears throat> Jesus is the Son of the Father without a mother in heaven, and the Son of a mother without a father on earth. So it's beautiful, it's wonderful, because you see the conjunction here between the father and the mother generating both the only son. The father generating him eternally, without any beginning. The mother generating the, the son in time, according to the human nature. But the, there is a common characteristic which brings the father and the mother together. And the common characteristic is purity, virginity. The Father in heaven and the Mother on earth are united. And we can even say with some authors that they are espoused. Mary is espoused to the Father in heaven. She's the bride of God the Father, as she's the bride of God the Son and bride of God the Holy Spirit. But this is another discourse. Uh, she is espoused with the Father, and that unity between the Father and the Mother is the Son, and the way the Son is generated. So the eternal generation is reflected in the eternal generation, in the temporal generation of the Son, according to the human nature, by the virginity of Mary. If that union is possible, it is because of a common characteristic, purity in God, virginity, purity in Mary. In this sense, Mary's virginity is, is a manifestation of God's purity, the purity of God, the virginity of Mary. But there is also another possibility to see Mary's virginity in time on earth as a Nikon, manifestation of God's purity ad intra, within himself. What's the other possibility? Well, we spoke of uh, the generation of the Son, but there is also another procession in God. Yes? The other procession is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is breathed by the Father and the Son. Yes? He proceeds from the Father and the Son. He's the love. The love of God, uniting the Father and the Son, the communion of love within God. Okay. Now, <clears throat> uh, this love is eternal. This love is immaculate. Yes, this love is, is uh, the most perfect love. It is personal. It is a person. The Holy Spirit, 
This is the love. Now, this love is poured out uh, of God over the Blessed Virgin Mary to be able to conceive the Son of God. So, another icon of God's purity, which corresponds in God to fertility, we say, to love now, is the Holy Spirit espoused with Mary. The Holy Spirit who is one with Mary, a mother. The Holy Spirit who, especially at the Annunciation, came upon Our Lady, overshadowed Our Lady, and made Our Lady into God's tabernacle on earth. She became the tabernacle of God on earth, the dwelling place of God on earth. So, uh, God's love is infinite purity. So infinite to be a person, an infinite person, the Holy Spirit. Uh, that communion of love, infinite purity of love, is participated in time and extra to a woman who by that gift of love is able to generate the Son. So the generation of the Son and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit go together and they find their unity, if you want, in some way, in Our Lady, in her person. The manifestation of God's pure love is Our Lady, because she is the bride of the Holy Spirit, as well as the bride of the Father. And why not? As I said, the bride of the, the, the Son as well. But in this, now, we say the union between Our Lady and the Holy Spirit, which is a spousal union, it's so intimate, uh, as to become the spousal union, that union is the manifestation of the purity, fertility, communion of love. Mary's virginity manifests. Hence, God's purity in generating the Son, the Son of God's, of the Father's love, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of this love within God. Mary manifests in her life, with her virginity, the generation of the Son by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the mystery of the Holy Spirit, the Holy uh, personal love, who came upon our Lady, and imbued her spirit, her life, her person. In this way, the Son and the Holy Spirit, of course, sent by the Father, together with the Father, work in a very special manner in Our Lady's life. And her virginity, her purity, is that manifestation of God's inner, inner purity, inner love. Pure love. If we want to put them together, we say pure love. Love which is pure. And purity is always love. Uh, purity is never selfishness or a kind of egoistical uh, understanding of the thing, uh, of the life and the kind of uh, 
narcissism, if you want to use a word which is very present in our culture. Now, purity is always love, love in full, love for God, love for what God has done when he created us, love for our own being, for our own person, love for other people, respecting other people. So purity is always together with, goes always together with love. Purity goes always together with fecundity, love which is open to life. Purity is love open to life, life natural, life supernatural, life eternal. If we want to keep that union between purity, love, fecundity, uh, generation, generative love, we need Our Lady. She is the mother of this love, and she keeps this love for us, this virginity, this uh, purity for us, for the Church. If we lose track of Our Lady, we unfortunately miss the point of being Christians. We don't know how to be uh, Christians, because all Christians, in any state of life, we find ourselves has to practice the virginity of Mary, has something to do with Our Lady's purity, Our Lady's virginity. This is St. Augustine who said, everyone in the Church has something to do with Our Lady's virginity. Everyone, not simply the virgins consecrated or the friars and the sisters, but any person in any condition of life, in any state of life, has something to do with the virginity of Mary. I wish uh, to quote St. Augustine, to quote uh, this beautiful text, to let you see uh, the fact that Our Lady's virginity is uh, a very uh, central aspect of life, of Christian life, as it is a manifestation of God's inner life to us, and it is the womb where Christian life is preserved, Christian life is always cherished, and is defended as such. St. Augustine wrote thus, quote, Rejoice, virgins of Christ, for the mother of Christ is your sister. You could not have been mothers of Christ in the flesh, but for the love of Christ you have not desired to be mothers of any child. He who was not born of you was born for you. However, if you remember his words, as you should, you know that you are his mothers, because you do the will of his father. For he himself has said, whoever does the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. Rejoice, widows of Christ, for you have bowed holy continents to him, who made virginity fruitful. Rejoice, you who are chaste in marriage, living faithfully with your husbands. Treasure in your hearts what you have lost in the body, since your body cannot be free from conjugal contact. May your conscience remain intact in faith, even as the whole church is virginal. In Mary, consecrated virginity brought forth Christ. In Anna, aged widowhood, recognized the Christ child. In Elizabeth, conjugal chastity and fertility in old age were put to good use for Christ. All classes of faithful members have brought to their head what by his grace they were able to give. 
In like manner do you, because Christ is truth and peace and justice, conceive him in faith and show him forth in works. Let your heart accomplish in the law of Christ what Mary's womb brought in the flesh of Christ. How are you not, in, not included in childbearing of Mary since you are the members of Christ? Mary brought forth your head, the church, you, his members. For the church, too, is both mother and virgin, mother by the bowels of charity, virgin by the integrity of faith and piety. She brings forth diverse peoples, but they are members of him whose body and spouse she is. And even in this respect, she bears the likeness of the Virgin, because in the midst of many she is the mother of unity. End of quote. So it's clear, it's a beautiful text, telling us that everyone in the Church has to do something with Our Lady's virginity. Everyone, everyone's vocation, call, depends on Our Lady's virginity. And the Church herself, <clears throat> as a mystery, as spouse of Christ, as body of Christ, mystical body of Christ, depends on Our Lady's virginity, maternity and virginity, which go always together. So uh, Mary's virginity is the condition, we could say, <clears throat> to keep the right faith, to have, uh, to keep the good Christian life, <clears throat> to practice Christian life according to the tradition of the Church to the will of Christ as manifested through the teaching of the Church uninterruptedly from the beginning to this day. So we need to discover the importance of Mary's virginity. And I would say in this book I'm going to publish now, I would define this virginity as the form, form in a metaphysical way. That is the species, the most perfect species, which imprints in us the very being of, the, of Christianity, of being disciples of Christ, according to our own vocation. Everyone according to his, her own status of life. But everyone's call, vocation, uh, blossoms always in Our Lady's virginity. And it is given through Alice's virginity. That's why virginity of Mary is the form of Christianity. Form, again, in the sense of mold. Uh, where Christ was formed, the womb. Where Christ was formed and where every Christian, every disciple of Christ is also uh, formed and given birth. Right. To conclude, as I said at the beginning, I wish to uh, show you a prayer which could in some way uh, summarize all this content and a prayer which is a chaplet. Some of you already know the chaplet, some of the ladies, but some others don't. So if I may share my screen, I will show you this PDF, which is a chaplet. Maybe if Ma Maria, you can allow me to share my screen. Right, here we go. I think you can do it now. Yeah, can you see my screen? Yes. All right, this is the chaplet. 
Chaplet of Mary's Perpetual Virginity, a prayer for the holiness of marriage, priestly celibacy, and consecrated life, which, as I said, was approved by the Bishop of Dunkeld, Dundee, Scotland, Stephen Robson. So if you pray it, I hope you may not be led astray. There is no danger, don't worry. There is no heresy or nothing which might lead you astray from the faith. Don't worry. Here I explain why a chaplet, basically to, for the holiness of all Christian statuses of life, uh, for marital life, marriage, consecrated life, celibacy, which are all at the stake nowadays, isn't it, in the church. They are all the object of a crisis, same time the target of a specific attack from within the church. Marriage, uh, consecrated life, priestly celibacy. And so they all, they, either they stand or they fall together because they are very much entwined with each other. Right, this is an explanation. And then there are seven mysteries. It's a chaplet which is composed by seven mysteries. Each chaplet is uh, prayed with one our Father, seven Hail Marys, one glory be, and with the invocation, perpetual virgin, pray for us. And you say, for example, let's go quickly through the mysteries to have an idea. I can send you, if you want, this PDF, <clears throat> and you can read it more attentively yourself. In each mystery you have uh, here a Bible quote, reference, you have a grace of the mystery, act of reparation, a meditation. Meditation is taken from my book, it's a prayer I composed, and is uh, broken down in these uh, seven meditation, meditations. Right, first mystery, the Virgin Mary is pre-announced by Isaiah, the prophecy of the Virgin uh, Mother, right? Then, second mystery, the Virgin Mary conceives Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you, you read some biblical reference. And then you meditate and say the prayers. Third mystery, Mary gives birth to Jesus virginally without suffering. This is a way to reaffirm our faith in the dogma of Our Lady's perpetual virginity, especially virginitas in partu, in childbirth, which is put into question nowadays. You normally find people, priests, uh, preachers, speaking about Our Lady's pains, uh, Our Lady's uh, uh, painful childbirth, because she's a woman, she's a common woman. So to be a woman, to be a mother, she had to suffer the birth pangs. But this is completely false. It's heretical because we know that Our Lady gave birth without suffering anything, any pain. So, fourth, Mary remains virgin after the birth of Christ. Fifth, Mary's uh, virginity is professed in the creed of the Church, as we do every when we profess the creed, the Nicene uh, Constantinopolitan. Creed, and then sixth, the virginity of Mary is celebrated by the church. And then, by the way, if you know, or maybe you can tell me, when does the church celebrate the virginity of Mary? Is there any feast about the virginity of Mary? Immaculate Conception. 
Well, it's not direct. It's immaculate conception. Is there any feast? Hmm. Anyway, Mary's virginity is celebrated by the church at some point, or it should be celebrated at some point. Seventh, Mary's virginity made Christ and forms Christ within us. Music